This morning we're going to talk about one word. It's called abandonment. This word carries a lot of weight on it. The word abandonment has consequences with it. Some are good and some can be bad. For example, if you abandon your child at Walmart, that could be bad. But there's also good abandonment. That maybe there's something that you're struggling with and Jesus points his finger at it and says you need to get rid of it, so you abandon it. The word abandon means to, to give up something completely, a course of action, a practice, or a way of thinking. There was this man, this man and supernatural king that walked the earth long before any of us were ever created or born, and his name was Jesus. Jesus was born in a miraculous conception. His mother Mary gave birth to him, she was a virgin, and it's proved all the way through the lineage that he was born of a virgin at a miraculous conception. That all the signs pointed on the day of his birth, all the signs pointed directly to baby Jesus. Years pass, baby Jesus becomes a teenager. I'd be interested to interview Mary to see what that was like. But Jesus becomes a teenager, then he becomes a young adult, and then he becomes a man. And he walks the earth for three years with one mission and one focus, wholehearted abandonment to the will of his father. Time and time again, all through the word of God, we see Jesus quoting scripture and saying things as he quotes scripture, he says one thing. He says, I only do what I see and hear my daddy do because he was totally abandoned to the will of God. If anyone understood abandonment, it was Jesus Christ. He understood how to live in abandonment and he understood what abandonment actually looks like. Now for us as Christ followers in this day and age, we like the word abandon because it's cool, it's got that cool sound to it. Yeah, I'm abandoned for Jesus. Yeah, you know, I abandoned this in my life and all for Jesus. And we like it and it becomes this radical saying on our speech. But my challenge today is what if, just, just what if, what if we started to use Christ's example as the measuring rod in our life that when we use the word abandon or abandonment, and we examine our hearts to see how abandoned we are, that we really are abandoned, what if we started to compare ourselves to Jesus? Not what we think, because see, that gets us in trouble, but what we know in Christ's example as being abandoned. See, a lot of times what happens in Christianity is we like the term abandonment, but we call it abandonment with benefits. It's just like that understanding of friends with benefits, that we want all of this fun stuff over here, but we don't want to commit to the relationship. And it's in the same manner of abandonment that as Christ followers, we enjoy talking about abandonment. We love to talk it up, but at the same time, we like to have abandonment with benefits. We like to be able to do our thing on the weekend and still be abandoned to Jesus. We still like to do those things at work that our employers really don't know about and still be abandoned to Jesus. 
We like abandonment with benefits. But before we get too deep into this, I want us to look at two ways that Jesus was abandoned. The first way that Jesus was abandoned was physically. He was physically left, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. And second of all, he was spiritually abandoned, meaning that he was willing to abandon, willing to give up everything for the sake of the will of his father and not hold on to anything else. In Matthew chapter 26, if you breeze through that chapter and you look down through, you will see that first Jesus was physically abandoned by the disciples. They ran. Once the pressure was on, they ditched him. But not only that, one of his best friends, one of his followers, Peter, the rock, abandoned him. We see further on in chapter 27 that if you breeze down through chapter 27, not only that, you see Jesus physically, physically abandoned by earthly government, by religious rulers, by the public, by military, and finally the whole world as he is crucified on the cross. But then, in that same chapter, Matthew 27, we see where Jesus declares spiritual abandonment because he goes to the cross and just before he breathes his last breath and lets it go, this is what he says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 36. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus' public declaration of spiritual abandonment, this example to Christ's followers who would come to be as he goes to death on the cross and rises three days later from the grave. But in essence, uh, in paraphrase, not Greek, but in paraphrase, he's just saying, Daddy, Father, I'm completely abandoned to you. Here is my example for the rest of the world to see, that I'm completely abandoned to the desire of your heart. Now, after studying these scriptures, we can see that when the miraculous stopped, people left. And when he went to the cross, they abandoned him, which brings us to this. The only way to God is not by miracles, but by death. Death to self. But we hate that. We hate that whole death to self thing. We're good about the whole, you know, eternal life deal, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But the whole death to self, that's kind of touchy. It kind of hurts a little bit. Sometimes we go to Jesus and we're like, look, I love the benefits of being, being a Christian. I love the benefits of being a Christ follower and following you and understanding this whole thing about salvation. But that whole death to self thing, can't we like work on that later? Can't we just kind of put it on the back burner? Isn't there something like, you know, you're supernatural. So can't you like, you know, lick your finger and like do something over it and it's all gone and, you know, you just forget? We don't like that whole die to self thing. Death to our flesh and understanding and surrendering our spirit to God is the ultimate act of abandonment. See, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior, we call that salvation because he delivers us from what we deserve. The whole plan of salvation is simply this. We are imperfect people. Jesus is perfect. We are imperfect. 
Because God loves us, he looks and he says, here's an issue though, there's sin and sin causes death. No one can enter the kingdom of heaven with sin. So someone must die. But we need someone perfect that can shed blood and shed blood for all of humanity. Jesus steps up to the plate and he says, I will be it. I will be the one who will shed my blood because I am perfect so that men and women can be free of their sin and have eternal life with me. And so Jesus goes to the cross and dies for us, giving us this gateway called salvation, meaning that we surrender our hearts to Jesus and asking him to be Lord of our lives. Now we're cool with that plan. But the next step is because let, let's just, before we get to the next step, let's just bring this out in the open. The truth is a lot of times when we accept Jesus is because we want a one-way ticket out of hell. We're afraid of going to hell. We're afraid of death. So we look, opt up for the first class ticket to get straight out of hell. So we accept Jesus out of fear. But the more that we spend time with Jesus and the more that we listen to Jesus and the more that we read his word, we begin to understand that, whoa, wait a minute, there's actually more to this than just getting out of hell. There's something greater in store. And it's spending eternity with Jesus Christ, with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. But that's not where Jesus stops. Jesus doesn't, Jesus is not satisfied with saying to us, yeah, go ahead and accept me as your personal savior, and then we'll just go on from there. No, he calls us to this place of complete and total abandonment where we are willing to give ourselves up completely and fully for him. In fact, we must understand this. Unwilling abandonment means no eternal life. Think about that for a minute. Unwilling abandonment. If we are not willing to abandon ourselves for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, then we don't get the perks of eternal salvation. Back in that time, we refer in the body of Christ today, in the community of faith, we talk about the word discipleship. It's a lot different than what we used to see in biblical times. Those who would follow a rabbi or a teacher in the Hebrew, what they would do is they would give up their previous lifestyle and they would go and they would live with that rabbi everywhere he went, everything that he did. If he spit on the ground, they would stop and examine it pretty much to see exactly what the purpose was of why he did it. That's how close you were to your rabbi. The whole concept of following the rabbi so close is that you would feel and receive the dust from his sandals as he walked, that you were so close that you wouldn't miss a beat, that if he would whisper something important, you would catch it with your ear because you were so close to your rabbi that you could feel the dust coming up and kicking up from his sandals. That was discipleship. A lot different from today. But if you were a committed person to following that rabbi, that meant that you abandoned yourself to their ways, to their teachings, to their understandings of breaking down the scripture. That means everywhere they went, you abandoned yourself to go and follow them and be with them. It was a lifestyle of willingly submitting yourself to that rabbi that you were learning from. Now, since Jesus was a rabbi, he was the rabbi, he picked up what we call the disciples 
or what some would call the rabbi rejects, the ones that were rejected by the other rabbis, the, the most unlikely to succeed category of followers. So he picks up a tax collector, a couple fishermen, and he comes along and he says, follow me. Now, understand, Rabbi Jesus one day is, is talking. And he's giving one of his talks, and he's breaking down the scriptures. But in the midst of this talk, in the midst of the scriptures, as he's breaking down this teaching, he adds in something very, very gripping that gets everyone's attention. And he uses the word almost to this point. He, he talks about abandonment, but he doesn't quite say it. I want you to look with me in the book of Luke this morning. We're going to examine what exactly Jesus said. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. This is what he says. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoa. Let's take a deep breath. Now, I'm sure some of you who are wondering, maybe just coming along to understanding the teaching of Jesus, you're like, now, wait a minute, I thought Jesus is all about love. How could Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, how, how could he state one thing about loving the Lord God with all of your mind, heart, soul, strength, and, and loving your neighbor as yourself, but, but then all of a sudden he like drops this and says, you can't follow me if you don't hate your, your mom, if you don't hate your dad, if you don't hate your brother, your sister, if you, if you don't hate your wife or your husband, and if, you, and if you don't hate your own life, you're not worthy of following me. Whoa, 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 there's a contradiction here. What's going on? Hate's a very strong word. We use it a lot. A lot of times we say, like, I hate tacos. I hate my car. Sometimes we even, you know, I hate that person. Hate's a very powerful word. And here, Jesus, Jesus goes from all lovey-dovey, let's love everybody, and, and, you know, you come to me, and I'll take care of you, and I'll love on you, to this, if you don't hate this, and you don't hate that, and you don't hate this, you're not worthy of following me. So let me tell you what this means. In the Jewish culture, there were customs that you needed to follow. There was loyalties is what they call it. You were loyal to your family and following Jewish customs. It was considered a disgrace, a dishonor, that if you would not remain loyal to your family and follow through with the customs that they called you to do with your family, it was considered a disgrace. So Jesus presents this whole thing and he says, listen, if you're not willing to give up those customs, if you're not willing to break that loyalty, not only to your family, but in your own life, then you're not worthy to follow me. See, I married into an Italian family, like a very Italian family. You know, there's like Bronx Italian, and there's like Jersey Italian, but then there's like Italian Italian. Every Sunday, we go to grandma's house, every Sunday. You could be sick with the flu, and if you don't show up to grandma's, <laughs> grandma's going to call you on the phone. There's going to be an issue. <laughs> it's part of custom. It declares our loyalty 
to our family. Now, just imagine if Jesus shows up and, and says to me, Jason, are you willing, are you willing to hate, hate your family? Are you willing to give up what is customary? Are you willing to give up that loyalty to follow me? I don't even want to know what would happen. But understand this. So Jesus comes to us, and it's not this fact. Please understand this. It's not this fact where God is saying to you, you must now hate your husband. You must now hate your wife. You must now hate your brother and your sister. Some of you are looking for that excuse. (laughs) But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, how far are you willing to abandon yourself for me? How deep are you willing to go in this relationship with me? Because it will cost you. The scripture leaves absolutely no loopholes here. There's no middle ground, and that contradicts our culture. Our culture loves middle ground. We love to play jump back and forth. Off middle ground, back to middle ground. Off middle ground, back to middle ground. If we don't like it, we don't have to accept it. If it doesn't make us feel good, we don't have to accept it. Jesus calls us to this lifestyle of saying, listen, you should be countering culture. There is no middle ground. I will make this statement. The same Jesus that lived then is the same Jesus of today. Therefore, if he has not changed in his teachings and in the word, therefore, he has not changed now, and therefore, neither do we. Following Jesus requires a daily conscious commitment. We have to count the cost. We have to estimate, realistically estimate the cost of what it will take within us to fully abandon ourselves to Christ, because I'm telling you, it will not be easy. Abandoning ourselves to Jesus isn't about what we think or what we feel. I'm concerned for the body of Christ because I do counseling with people. As a pastor, people come in and, you know, some of us, we have problems and we deal with things and I have problems and all of us, we deal with something in our lives. But what concerns me is when followers of Christ come and talk to me and they say, this is how I feel or this is what I feel I should do. This is what I feel about my marriage. This is what I feel about that, about that relationship that I'm in. Can we stop feeling, feeling Christians? Can we stop putting our opinion and mixing it with the word of God and call what truth is truth and opinion what is opinion? There is too much intermingling of opinion and the word of God. And when you start to intermingle your opinion with the word of God, you start to create a mess. And it gets very dangerous. Jesus had feelings, but he did not interweave opinion with the word of God. If we desire eternal life that Jesus willingly offers us, then it's either all the way or it's impossible to follow him. It's a hard truth to follow. That's why willing abandonment is so critical. Jesus told us in the word, he said, there will come a day where you will have a choice to go one way or the other, that the road would be divided. The one road will be skinny and narrow 
and rough. The other road will be wide and easy. And he said, if you take that narrow road, it'll be hard, but it'll be worth it because following me is not easy because I require complete abandonment. Let's look at Luke chapter 14, uh, verse 27 in just a minute. But first of all, I want us to understand this. Unwillingness to carry our cross means no followers. If you read the scriptures, you can see that Jesus never hid the terms of discipleship. It's not like secretly interwoven, you know, throughout the whole word of God. It's, it's very in plain sight. Jesus didn't hide anything. It was all right there. He lays down these terms of discipleship as non-negotiable. Meaning no matter how much you plead with him and talk to him and say, well, Jesus, listen, I know that your word says this, but, but can we just, just this one area of my life, can we just like kind of let up on that? Like let the pressure off a little bit? It's non-negotiable. Here's what he says in Luke 14, 27. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me, what's it say in the last bit? Yeah, cannot be my disciple. That's heavy. That's heavy. See, there's no halfway point with what Jesus just said in Luke. There's no halfway point. Do we all realize that there was no partial crucifixion? We all realize that? See, when, when Christ was crucified, there was a full crucifixion. It means that he was alive at one point and he died by the end of that. It, it, it doesn't say in scripture that there is this partial crucifixion. When, when, when we celebrate, when we come together to mourn slash celebrate Christ going to the cross, we mourn because he died and we don't like death. But we celebrate because we know the end result that after he dies, he's risen. But when we come together, we don't talk about, well, at the partial crucifixion of Christ, this is what happened. No, there was a full crucifixion. A full crucifixion. And in the same manner, Christ calls us not to carry half of our cross. You know, he doesn't hand us a saw and a chainsaw and say, go ahead, just whatever's going to be more comfortable for you. I know those, those sides, those really outstretched parts on that cross of yours can get a little, little hard to bear. So, you know, if you want to cut them a little short, go ahead. Oh, that bottom, yeah, that bottom piece doesn't measure up. Just, you know, you'll be good. We're good, we're good. Just, yeah, make your cross fit to you. He doesn't say that anywhere in the word of God. There was no per partial crucifixion. Therefore, we do not carry our cross partially. We carry the fullness of it. Christ tells us we either take up, of our, take up our cross or it's impossible to be his follower. So how do we define our cross? And why is it so critical? Because a lot of times, none of us around here, I don't know how many of you go to work, you know, and you're lugging around a physical cross, okay? I don't, I don't have a van where I put my cross in. I don't have a trailer to put my cross on because this is metaphorical. First of all, let me define this for you. Carrying our cross is not our ministry. Carrying our cross is not about dealing with the pressures of ministry. 
Now, please understand, I'm not knocking, one, the ministry itself, or two, your ministry that you are in charge of, or the ministry in which you participate in. But somehow, in the world of Christianity uh, in America, we have somehow dummied down the cross to the point where we say bearing the cross is, is bearing the weight of, of ministry. And that is not what Jesus intended when he said, carry your cross. Carrying our cross means we choose to live a life that radically confronts our personal sin. That's why it is so hard to carry our cross. Because we don't want to radically deal with our personal sin. When we're abandoned, we submit every area of our hearts to Jesus. A few weeks ago, the Lord began to deal with some sin in my heart. I'm not a fan of fasting. I don't know how many of you really are, but giving up food for a number amount of days is never fun. But it's worth it in the end. And so I've had some neck issues with my, with my neck, and I've been on some medication, and the medication requires that I eat before I take the medication. If I don't take the medication, who knows what will happen. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can still eat. <laughs> oh, wait, Jesus, wait, sorry, lost, lost focus there. What do you want me to deal with? How do you want me to do this? So Jesus hit me where it counts. I am a, I'm a big fan of music. I love music. I have music in my car all the time. If I'm not listening to a CD, I'm listening to the radio. And if there's a commercial on the radio, I flick over to the next station so I can hear music. And if there's you know, nothing on there, I flick to the next station until I find something. And if that doesn't satisfy me, I put in a CD that I know I'll like. When I come to my office, I put on my worship music. Well, Jesus put his finger on that and said, listen, if we're going to deal with the sin of your heart, I need you to abandon something for me. I need you to abandon the music so that you can hear my voice. So at first, I kind of thought, no music? Come on. Fasting food is like so much harder. Like I really got to persevere through that. So I take two weeks, no music, nothing in my car, no CDs, nothing in my office, just silence. And so God begins to speak to me. And he begins to show me, begins to show me scriptures that he wants me to read and meditate on and think about. And then it goes from just showing me to saying, I want you to live that out. Because when you live out this scripture, you will not do what you want to do, but you will be led by the Spirit. I had to come to this place of total abandonment because Jesus was saying to me, if you want to carry your cross, you need every ounce of strength and attention that you can give to carry your cross. Otherwise, if you try to carry your cross and hold something else, you will fail every time. And this is what we call abandonment. When we are abandoned, we submit everything, every area of our hearts to Jesus without holding on to anything extra. Hey, Kath. 
Jesus. Oh, it's been a long time. Yeah, um, I didn't expect to see you here. Whoa, what's that smell? The smell? Oh, um, well, that's my trash. I just, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Oh, well, is that why you've been avoiding me? Avoiding you? I, I, I haven't really been avoiding you. I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to get close to you. I mean, I, I just, I don't want you to smell it. I'll take it, Kat. Come oh, on. Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. I mean, I made it. It's my trash. You know, I should carry it. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, but Kat, I mean, this is my job. Right. I take people's trash. That's what I do, so. Right, okay. Well, maybe I could go and just clean it up a little bit, you know, and then I'll just, I'll come back. No, Kat, I don't need you to do that. Um. Okay, I'll take it from you so you don't have to carry the weight. Oh, well, I. Come on. Uh, oh. Just, just hand it over. Uh, All right. All right. Let go. Let go. Yes, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, How's that feel? Weird. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah, just loosen it up a Whoa, little bit. Check that out. I don't know if I've ever moved like that before. Well, I mean, that is crazy. I just, I feel so free and alive. I, it's I mean, the lack of trash. Wow, I just, it's just like, this is the craziest feeling I have ever had. I just, it's like something's missing, you know? Well, I, I just, Get used um, to I, feeling free, because that's yeah, what you are now. Right, okay. Uh, what okay. are you doing? I just, I gotta get one thing, okay? Hold on just a minute. Get here. one thing? No, 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 don't open the bag! Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice. I really appreciate all that you've done for me. What's going on here, Kat? What? Look, I'll take the trash, but you need to put that back. Oh, um, no, actually, um, that's okay. This is mine. It's my piece. I want to keep it. No, it goes right back in the bag, so I'll help you. Here, no, 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 put no, it no. here. No, Jesus, I, I need to remind myself not to make more trash. I mean, that just Kathleen, makes sense. Kathleen, I will remind you not to make more trash, oh, okay? Oh, well, Jesus, you know... That's what I do. I mean, we'll walk together. I know, but I should be in a better place than this by now. I mean, I just, I'm constantly doing things wrong, you know, and I, I'm just, I'm constantly letting you down. No, the only thing that's letting me down is, is, is you taking the stuff back. Okay. Look, I took care of the trash before you even created it. <sighs> Look, don't you see what's happening? Every time I take your trash away, you come back and, and take another piece. And the more pieces you carry around, the more trash you attract. It reeks. Cat. When I look at you, I don't see your sin. I see you. The real you, the free you. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I died for. Jesus, I'm sorry. I just, please forgive me. I've already forgiven you. The question is, will you forgive yourself? You know, a lot of times we want all the miracles and we want the power and we want the freedom and we want the authority that comes with Jesus. But when it comes to abandoning ourselves and carrying our cross, we want to be casual with Jesus. Jesus abandoned for us, not so we could be casual Christians, but so we could follow his example and be abandoned to him eternally. I'm going to close with this, that we must return to everyday abandonment. Years ago, <clears throat> I struggled with a pretty heavy sin issue in my life. <clears throat> it seemed that no matter what I did, I couldn't get a grip on it because it had gripped me. 
I tried everything until one day when the Lord spoke to me and said, Jason, you will only overcome this when you are willingly die to it every day. See, something that we, we kind of think sometimes as followers of Christ is that what we're dealing with, that we can overcome it. And what we do is we think that once we pray about it and we leave, it's done. We don't ever have to worry about it again. But understanding this, abandonment is a day-to-day willingness to submit to Christ. That means the sin that you can't overcome right now in your life that you feel has gripped you and conquered you has to be submitted to Jesus every single day, everyday abandonment, so that you can overcome it. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to push us back to that place. That's what repentance is. We have to come back to this place as Christ followers about the importance and criticalness of repentance in our lives. Repentance, you've heard me say this before and I'll say it again, it means that you're going one direction towards the sin, but you make a 180 degree turn and you go the opposite. It's an intentional turn that you make. I believe that the only way that we will come to a place of understanding wholehearted repentance is physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually understanding what repentance is. When was the last time you realized that your sin was so heavy in your life that you physically got down on your knees? When was the last time that you literally bowed your head down to Jesus Christ, to the Lord, out of humility? When was the last time that you put your palms up, facing up as, a, as an act of surrender to God because you understand the weight of your sin and the separation that is caused between you and Jesus? That all you can do is make this physical declaration and say, Lord, I am repenting. If you read in Psalm 51, you will see what David did by reading. Casual repentance doesn't work in the kingdom of God. It's so easy to be driving down the road and and texting somebody, which we shouldn't be, but we do it anyway. But it's so easy to be driving down the road and texting somebody and thinking about something else and, and throw up a, a whole thing and say, oh God, by the way, hey, can you can, can you forgive me for that? Oh, and and Lord, when I when I looked at that woman lustfully, I really didn't mean it, but I, I repent of that, God. Casual repentance doesn't work in the kingdom. There was something about it that when David repented and he abandoned himself to Jesus physically and mentally and emotionally, that it gripped and wrenched every part of his being because he understood the weight of the sin that he had committed. And he was unwilling to go back to it. The essence of following Jesus' example is to live a radical lifestyle before the world. 
We are not called to be covert Christians. We all bear the same cross as every Christ follower. None of us are exempt or different. We are called to painfully die to ourselves. And when we painfully die to ourselves, we can stand and we can say, I am abandoned. Would you please stand with me? In just a few minutes, I'm going to pray for us. And I'm just going to open up the front here. For some of you today, you know that God has been wrestling with you. You have been in a wrestling match with him because he has been yearning for, for a complete abandonment in your life. There's areas of your life that he has been poking at and prodding at and shining a light on and saying, I want you to be fully abandoned to me. I don't want you to be partially abandoned to me. And only you know what that is. And maybe there's some of you here this morning that say, I've never considered really abandoning myself to Jesus the way he abandoned himself spiritually to Father God. So we're going to open this up and I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. And when I'm done praying, I'm going to ask you to do one of two things. One, if you want to come up here, then I encourage you to come up here. Two, if you say, oh, that's not for me, you know, whatever that may be, or you're not coming up, I'm going to ask that you be respectful of those who are up here, those who are having that time, that intimate time with Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to respectfully be quiet and make your way out. Not being rude and shoving you out, but I'm just asking you to be mindful of what's going on up here. And if you have things to discuss, there's plenty of room outside these doors. Because we don't want to interrupt. We don't want others to be distracted as to what Jesus wants to do. Father, this morning, we ask that, uh, that you would just continue to pry at our hearts daily, Lord. Father, I, I just pray that, that we would come to this place, God, of wholehearted abandonment, realizing, God, what it's going to cost us. Father, that it might cost us some relationships, it might cost us some friends. Father, who knows what it will cost us in the future. But I pray, Father God, that we would willingly submit ourselves to you in wholehearted abandonment, that when Jesus said, I am abandoned, I pray that we would be able to, to stand before you and declare that we are abandoned as well. Father, I pray right now for those that are making excuses in their minds, that if I come forward, so-and-so will see me and they can't see me come forward. Father, I pray that you just break off that lie, that mindset, that delusion. Father, I pray, God, that where there is deception clouding our vision or our minds, God, I pray, or our ears, I, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you remove it so that, so that as individuals, God, we can just come before you and really abandon ourselves. Father God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to the cross, that you would love us so much that you would be willing to send your one and only son to shed his blood so that we could have eternal life with you. 
Jesus and Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for your obedience to go to the cross for all of mankind so that we could be your pure and spotless bride. So we submit this time to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.